For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Alex Singleton of the Philadelphia Eagles, and I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to Philly Sports with Giovanni on Eagles Brawl. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. And as always, fly, Eagles, fly. Go Birds. This is a Brawl Network production. We're talking about practice, man. You're listening to Philly Sports with Giovanni. It felt really good to prove to everybody, but not only that, prove to ourselves that we... We had great potential, and through the year, we just kept passing tests and passing tests, and eventually, we were the team to beat. Here's the man, the myth, the legend, Giovanni Hamilton. Welcome back to Philly Sports with Giovanni. Today I ha- I have on Key, aka Real Mama Eagle, on Twitch and Twitter, and Jess from Bees on Broad, and my mama. Uh, we're doing a episode uh, appreciation of the women in sports this week. Um, I'm so excited to have you guys on. How are you guys? I'm great. Thank you for having me as always, Gio. It's always a pleasure being here with you. Gio, I'm very excited and it's truly an honor. Thank you so much for thinking of us. Yeah, and thank you for having me on. Um, I'm used to being behind the scenes, kind of (laughs) just laughing at all the conversations. So it's kind of fun to be on this side of it. Yeah. Um, So let's dive into it. Um, We're going to start off with the Super Bowl. What's your guys' predictions for the Super Bowl? And who do you think is going to win? It's going to be tough because the Chiefs, do they did have to uh, place Fisher out, so he's out of the game. And um, the Tampa's D-line is very, very good. It does make me worry a bit. And um, Sammy Watkins is going to be questionable, so they may be down one less weapon. It's weird. I want to pick Kansas City so badly, but why do I feel like Tampa's going to upset something like 38-35? I don't know why, but that's just what I'm feeling. <laughs> I'm, I'm personally, I'm just so sick of seeing Tom Brady's face in Super Bowl ads. Like, I'm, I'm just Same. so sick of it. And my heart wants Andy Reid to win another one. I really do want that for him. And I think if you're going to have an offense with the amount of power that Tampa does, if you're going to have to, you know, if another team is going to have to try to keep up with them in terms of a shootout, Kansas City is your best bet. In terms of defense, I definitely think Tampa has the better defense there. And they have been just getting better and better each week. So I think, you know, I, I definitely agree. I think I think there's a really good chance that Tampa does pull, I get, I mean, Tom Brady, does Tom Brady do upsets? Is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> but I think if, you know, if there was to be an upset, I, I do think that Tampa would be the team to do it. And like, I didn't even know if that team was going to make the playoffs starting off the season. They've been getting so much better every yeah. week. And obviously Kansas City, you know, is having some COVID issues. They're having some, 
some questionable things going on there. I do think collectively they're the better team, but I think it's going to be a, a really good game, and I think it'll be a fun Super Bowl to watch. I think so too. I think I think it's going to be a good game. Although I just I cannot pick Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> My heart will not allow it. I cannot do it. I, I'm I'm definitely going um, Kansas City on this one. I, I I do think they'll they'll eke it out. I do think it'll be a close game. Um, but yeah, I just I can't pick Tom Brady. I'm, I'm over Tom Brady. He can he can go. <laughs> What do you think, buddy? Yeah, well, first of all, sometimes you just get in a mood where you're just complaining about Tom Brady and how he didn't shake Nick Foles' hand. Oh, that drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the Chiefs, just because um, Travis Kelsey, uh, he's one of my friends. He's really nice, really funny, um, and I hope they run the Kitchen Kelsey play. Yeah, um, I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> they can't catch him. <laughs> no. And he's tough to bring down, too. That's that's a good one. I, I don't know. They've got some really young guys in their secondary for Tampa, and somebody like Travis Kelsey could really do a number on them if someone's going to really beat them. That's a good call, Gio. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about Carson potentially going to the Colts? Uh, I'm right. so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I uh, I just want this is going to sound terrible. I just want it to be over. I just want it to end. I want a resolution to the problem. Like I don't I don't want to say I don't care where he ends up because you know my preference is that he would stay here. I think it's a mistake to let him go. But I just don't know if they can do enough to fix the situation that the, – if the organization can do enough to fix the situation that they have created. The last thing I saw – so the Colts, I think, would give him the best – I think the Colts would be the best place for him to go. The last thing I saw, someone tweeted – I forget who it was. I'm going to find it. Brandon Robinson, who I, – I, he does a he does a podcast – um, says, as of 30 minutes ago, this is at 153, he said, as of 30 minutes ago, the Bears have the top offer out for Carson Wentz. Unless another team comes over the top, Wentz will be headed to Chicago. Bigger offer than most have expected, but a bidding war will do that. Bears. Yeah, Rob and Rob Maddie said that uh, the Eagles could expect to get at least a first back for him, maybe possibly a mid-round pick with it too. As far as my feelings on it, I love Carson. I would absolutely love for him to stay here. I think that he is more than fixable. I don't think that one bad season determines his value, body of work as a whole. I do genuinely believe that he's not happy. And and I and I don't, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I don't want to speak for him. But I think that when you don't say anything, you unfortunately leave the door open to interpretation and people are going to take their own, their own conclusion from that. And it does appear at, on the surface that he's not happy. Um, if he went to a team like the Colts, though, I'd be happy for him far in the AFC where we don't have to worry about him except for every three, every three seasons. Um, it, it's going to be a, a very bittersweet feeling, but at the end of the day, I think it'll be the right thing. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if Carson's here to, to play and he is as unhappy as it seems like he is, I, I mean, I just don't think you're going to get a whole lot out of him. Um, you know, it seems like he's just kind of wearing his heart on his sleeve. He doesn't seem very happy, but boy, I am really going to hate to see him go and succeed elsewhere because I just would love to see him succeed here. 
I am excited about Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, I think that he has some potential. You know, he had he had some really good uh good games and and I thought some good things. I mean, for not having an off season and not really having those things that he should have had um as a rookie, I think he did do some great things, but I think Carson still has a lot in him and I would really hate to see him leave. Yeah, I personally think uh that they're moving on too fast. And uh Key, you're streaming tonight, right? Yeah, I am. That means that Carson's probably going to get traded tonight. My stream is literally a a hot spot for trades for some reason. (laughs) It is. It always. You know what? Then we'll have a resolution to the problem. That's all we need is a resolution. That's all we need. (laughs) (laughs) Um, are you guys confident in Jalen Hurts? I. So, so it, it's, it's a two, it's kind of a two part thing because Jalen Hurts, I felt did the best job he could to mask a very injured offensive line and a very consistent offensive line with so many O-line combinations. He has great athleticism. Um, if the coaching does their job and they actually put weapons around him in the first round and make the right moves, I think that he could very much be a good quarterback. He does have the strength to get the ball downfield. We just got to work on the accuracy a bit, but I think he's definitely coachable. I agree. I, I I didn't see anything I didn't like from Jalen Hurts. Um, exactly. What what upset me was a lot of the things that I did see that were frustrating or you know problems and you know that you're going to see from a rookie in the first four seasons. People were chalking up to him being a rookie, but they were the same issues and mistakes that we've seen over and over again from Carson Wentz, which said more to me than. Carson's issues or, you know, Jalen Hurts' ability to be or not to be the Eagles quarterback going forward. So that was concerning. Obviously, they've changed up a lot of what's going on um, from the coaching staff perspective. But, you know, in my opinion, it ultimately comes down to to the front office. I mean, um, you know, one of the conversations that's been had over the last couple weeks is, did the Eagles make the right decision keeping Carson Wentz instead of Nick Foles? And I still think, of course, they made the right decision. But then every other decision they made after that was the wrong one. So I hope that they don't do Jalen Hurts all of the disservices that they've done to Carson Wentz over the last couple of years. And if they're still going to do the same things that they've been doing over the last couple of years, we're going to be having this same conversation in three years about Jalen Hurts and another quarterback. And, you know, Nick Sirianni is going to be getting pushed out the door for another head coaching search. So I, I, do think Jalen Hurts has it in him. I like Jalen Hurts. I like what he brings. Key, you said a lot of the, the perfect things. His athleticism is, you know, that upper echelon in the NFL. That's yep. kind of the new quarterback, you know, what what we're looking for, the Lamar Jacksons of the world and someone like that. And I think that Jalen Hurts is a better athlete almost than Lamar Jackson. And he's got a potentially higher upside because he does have the ability to push the ball down the field. And But, you know, again, the the coaching staff has to do the right things for him and the front office has to do what their their jobs are to do which they haven't done lately so i don't have a lot of confidence in everything else around him but i do have the confidence in jalen hurts and i i would have to agree i have confidence in jalen hurts i actually i feel bad for the kid so bad me too honestly he did not have to be in this situation and you know he, he was running out there for his life trying to make something happen trying to prove his point that you know he can be a starting NFL quarterback in this league. And just to watch the team's disservices to Carson Wentz play out to him as well was just really frustrating to see. But I, I'm 
I'm really excited to see what comes of this offseason. He says he's working really hard so he can be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm just excited to see, you know, what all he's putting in. He's a true professional, too. I love that about him. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm confident in him, I think, because um, also he's doing good stuff for the community. Um, You really like that. That always sticks out to you when you see players doing really great things. Definitely. Um, he, I, I think that he's a good athlete, and, um, you know, a lot of people have been saying that this Nick Sirianni pick was for Carson, but it makes you wonder now if it was for Jalen, and so they can develop him more, and I think that they will succeed developing him now. I hope so. I hope so. Otherwise, it would have just been a waste of the second round pick and anything they do to, you know, it'll be a waste of time. It'll be a waste of a potentially really good NFL career of just another player that the Eagles are just ruining. Yeah. And then what do you do if uh, what if you do if say assets are traded and you move it up or you take another guy at six, then then you you essentially create another quarterback controversy. So that Mm -hmm. that's something to think about. Well, I did read somewhere that Nick Sirianni and like Jalen Hurts thought that he was going to the Colts and he had a really good conversation with Nick Sirianni before the draft last year. So it does make me kind of wonder, did they pick Nick Sirianni for Jalen Hurts? And if so, hopefully they can do something really great together. Yeah. Um, What do you guys think about Nick Sirianni? Do you like him? I do. I, I like him. Here's what I'll say. Every hire they made made me go, eh, okay. Because I just think that the front office has too much to do with it. And I think that they, there were better options out there, but he also isn't Josh McDaniels. So I'm glad they didn't pick Josh McDaniels. I didn't want that. But I also think, like, I, I think that the thing with his press conference got way blown out of proportion. I don't care if you can speak to the media well. I don't care if you're a good public speaker. If you can capture your locker room and you have the respect of your players, that does nothing about what you can do on the sidelines commanding a football team. I just worry about, you know, the fact that he had eight days to prepare for not one surprising question and the front office did nothing to try to help him. And and again, there could have been better ways to answer these questions, but I put that more on the front office trying to make sure that he was ready to go in some of these questions that were no surprise to you guys and me sitting here watching that press conference, but he looked like a deer in the headlights. Again, I don't care about his public speaking. The fact that he gets nervous in front of people like that speaking, that's irrelevant to me. The fact that the he, there was no sort of preparation for these obvious questions is very concerning, but I am excited to see what he brings from a p- football perspective. Players really like him. I'm excited to see what he can do from a play calling perspective and the guys that he put around him as well. I think it could be interesting for whichever quarterback is here come September. What you have with Nick Sirianni and his staff that I really like is you have a lot of guys that have not only worked with quarterbacks and done a lot of quality control on offense, but you have a lot of guys that work with wide receivers and wide receiver development has been one of the Eagles biggest issues over the last couple of years. So maybe we'll see a big jump with that. Maybe we'll see some development with that. I, um, I'm with Jess. I don't really, I'm not going to get too caught up in the press conference. It's a big, it's a big gig. You're in Philadelphia, one of the toughest sports markets 
in the country, of course, there's probably going to be some nervousness there. So that's that's actually pretty um, pretty not surprising to me. Doug was also a little bit nervous his first press conference, but Sirianni is a younger coach, and I actually think that works out to his advantage. I think that he's going to be able to relate to players. He played himself. He was a wide receiver. He knows what it's like to suffer a devastating injury. He's got a lot of experience just um, being a player's guy and being a motiv- being being a motivator. Um, and, and rising from adversity, I think that's something that he can bring to the table. So I definitely am rooting for him, and I think um, I think he'll do a great job. Yeah, I, I'm excited about him. I know Frank Wright thinks the the world of him. Um, he's come out and said a lot of really great things. So so that kind of won me over. And you know, the whole press conference thing, it was just like, really, do we need to nitpick this? Like, <laughs> so he's a little nervous. Why do we? Yeah think that this is I mean as long as he they're winning games on the football field who cares I don't care what he says at the microphone that doesn't matter to me and you know I the players seem to to be on board too so um I'm excited to see what he does I like that he's kind of a younger coach I'm kind of excited about the younger guys and to see what they can bring in because you know hopefully they'll they'll just blow everything up and change the game and and make it awesome so I'm excited to to see what happens yeah, um, it, it was insane to me that people were picking on him because of his press conference. Now, so Eagles fans, right, they don't want to they, – they get called the worst fans in the league, and they hate that. But then they pick on their own head coach. And players on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> That's a good point. How do you – Expect not to be called the worst fan base in football if you're doing that. <laughs> Wouldn't you be that nervous too after Jeffrey Lurie talked for 17 minutes about nothing important? He talked yeah. so long. I, I kept asking myself, is this over yet? It's like you could have made a drinking game out of how many times he pointed out the four NFC championship appearances between 2000 <laughs> and 2006. Oh my God. It was brutal. It was very brutal. I don't know what that has to do with anything right now. That was that was almost 20 years ago. It's sad. It's bad. It's it's really frustrating because the Eagles have such a chokehold on my emotions and my heart. I just love them so much. And I've never hated them more than I do right now. It's it's such a weird kind of emotion that I have because I love them so much, but this organization has made me so angry. Yeah. And I don't I just think they're make they make terrible decisions and I and I don't think the you know, a lot of the media hoopla doesn't help and the fan base doesn't help and Twitter doesn't help and it's oh, it's such a mess. It's no, we, we actually can't stand to be on Twitter very much right now because it's just like, oh, my Lord. It's really bad. It's it's just nothing but arguments about Carson Wentz and, and people that support him versus people who don't support him. It's just really it, – it's just a, it's just a mess. Yeah. It is. It's terrible. I mean, there's a Super Bowl on Sunday, and I turn on Get Up every morning, and it's like, what will the Eagles do today? Every morning. First take. Every morning. <laughs> and I turn it off because I'm like, I just can't. Do it. I came out this morning and turned it on and I looked at my fiance and I went, we have to turn it off. I don't want to listen to it. She's like, what, what is your problem? I'm like, I, I, I can't do it anymore. It's too much. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Isn't that how we all feel? Oh, um, what do you guys think about um, putting the young coaching staff together? 
I actually think that uh, the land, the way the landscape of the league is going, coaches are starting to get younger and younger. And that trend kind of started with the, you know, with the Sean McVay's of the world. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think that's actually a benefit because the players are going to be able to relate to these young, these these uh, guys closer to their age. Um, I don't I don't see that as a hindrance at all, personally. Yeah, I don't see it as a hindrance to what they can do. I think um, if there's any sort of learning curve involved because they have so many young guys in first time positions of you know the magnitude that they have, especially you know as we have talked about a couple times now under the microscope that is Philadelphia, I think that you know failure to make adjustments and keep up with some of the other things going on around them, I think that might be an issue. If, if anything, but I think having a, a younger staff, you know, can relate to the players. And I think in terms of experience and in terms of specialties of what they know and understand and can do, I think this is a good group that they have put together. Um, and I think that, you know, the, you know, the younger, the younger coach is, is kind of the way that the NFL is trending right now. And I definitely think that it's interesting to see and we'll see how it plays out. But I just think that, you know, within the division alone, you know, you've got guys like a Ron Rivera, who's an extremely experienced and successful head coach. You've got a guy like Mike McCarthy, who I know, you know, last year was terrible for Dallas, but again, a very experienced head coach. And then, you know, even when you go over to the Giants, obviously Joe Judge is one of those younger guys that, you know, isn't as experienced, but you have someone like a Jason Garrett who, you know, we make fun of him for being the clapper in Dallas and, you know, outstaying his welcome down there. But he's a very experienced long-term NFL head coach. So the amount of experience that is in the division, you know, you hope that the Eagle they don't have a leg up on the Eagles just from that amount of experience perspective. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I, I, I do have concerns that there may be some learning curves, but I'm also like just so excited to see these young guys come in and really hoping that they just change everything up. So, you know, like everybody's like, Oh my gosh, what are the Eagles doing? You know what I mean? Because I think it can come with younger guys. And I think that the players might actually come in more motivated because they have guys their, their age and that they they're going to want to play for. And, you know, more importantly, buddy, it means that maybe you'll be able to be a coach, you know, sooner than later, because if the <laughs> keeps going younger, you might get in there. <laughs> it's almost your time, Gio. Almost. almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the young coaching staff just because it, it it's going to make it easier for me. <laughs> I was gonna say if Nick Sirianni starts off zero and three, I'm I'm tweeting to fire him and put you in charge. I think that's the best just, we'll for start everyone. that. We'll make t-shirts. Yep. <laughs> if if so, if they start off very poorly, you're you're next in line. So start getting ready. Get your playbook ready, Geo. <laughs> okay. You got your coaches board for Christmas, so you're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, switching gears. Ten nine eight seventy sixers. Woo! Something um, happy. <laughs> uh, so they've been on fire this year. What do you guys think? I'm still learning personally, but I want. It's hear never what- too late, you know, to it's- to embrace a team. Um, the Sixers team. I I love the Doc Rivers hire from day one, and I love the more like the Mori um edition. I just thought that um, with those moves, they were going to rebuild the team. I didn't expect them to do such a great job as in getting a guy, getting an experienced shooter like Seth Curry. And um, even Danny Green, who's inconsistent, still has his moments, especially when he gets hot. But 
this team with their starting lineup, they've just been rolling. Um, Joel Embiid is just having a phenomenal season. Um, even in even in even in the loss last night, thirty-seven. He's he's definitely MVP material. Ben Simmons isn't lighting up the scoreboard, but he is setting things up for the other shooters. He's playing great defense, and Tobias Harris just looks revitalized under Doc Rivers. So, um, right now, what with their full lineup and and with some some shakes playing off the bench, Max is playing off the bench. They could definitely compete with anyone in the East, in my opinion. And they showed they could hang with the Lakers. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I. Who would have thought that after they got swept by the Celtics and just killed me inside that they'd be the only saving grace of the last six months in my life? Um, But I mean, I, I totally, totally agree. Joel Embiid had, I think, you know, not making an all NBA team last year was a big eye opener for him and really set him up. And he said, you know, you're going to regret it. People are regretting it now. And he is playing out of his mind and he's making um, he's making great decisions he's learned I mean he's 27 years old he's still extremely young but he like the decisions that he is making he's learning how to make good decisions finally he's learning how to pass out of a double team he's not spinning into every double team he's changing the way he plays a little bit but just enough that sets them up for success and I think that after they got swept last year people were ready to blow it up in all kinds of different ways. And Joel Embiid showed you he was the one, you know, if, if there was any reason that they lost against the Celtics, but, or Joel Embiid was not it. He did everything he needed to do. He averaged, I think it was like 30 and 12. 30, yeah, 30 and 12, yep. In that series. Like, he played out of his mind, but there was a lot of talk about trading him or trading Ben Simmons or what do they do. And I think that the two of them absolutely deserved the opportunity to get a legitimate head coach in here. Doc Rivers is light years beyond any legitimate head coach I would have expected to show up here, but I'm so thankful and a legitimate roster. And Daryl Morey put this roster together in like an hour and a half. And I don't know how he did, he did. it. It's outrageous. But, and, and, you know, key, you said it all. Joel Embiid is playing out of his mind. Tobias Harris, Doc Rivers is a Tobias Harris whisperer, which is just outrageous to me. Danny Green does look like he's a thousand years old at times, but also when he's on, he's on. Um, It's unfortunate that Seth Curry really is feeling some of those lingering effects of having COVID. Um, He's struggling a lot right now, which is, is really unfortunate. But Ben Simmons, I think last night showed you how important Ben Simmons is not even from a scoreboard perspective. I mean, he's played in 20 games out of 23 games this season. He had the um, the the knee swelling a little bit, and then last night with his calf tightness. But he has led the team in assists. He's been the assist leader for the Sixers in 18 out of those 20 games. Like, he does so much. He's leading the NBA in three-point assists right now. And the the man's the man doesn't take three-point shots. Well, look what happened last night. Their three-point percentage was down when he was out. So there you so go. Terrible. He's, he <laughs> helps space the floor so well. And even when teams want to double Joel Embiid, I understand that he's still not a threat in any sort of outside shooting perspective. But if you want to double Ben or double Joel Embiid out on an elbow, Ben Simmons, he, you're still got to worry about a 6'10 guy just coming at you ready to dunk all over you. So he does so much more. And Do- I think Doc Rivers said it last night. He said something like, this is what I've been trying to tell you that Ben Simmons is so much more important than anybody makes it out to be. And I think that a guy like Doc Rivers saying that ha- holds so much more than Brett Brown saying that. And I think it holds more to Ben Simmons because I think it gives Ben a lot of the confidence to be like, I, yeah, like I, I can do this. Like Brett says, it's like, okay, Brett, that's enough out of you. Like I think Doc Rivers really helps him. And I'm excited to see 
they've been Joel and Ben have been playing really well together, and I'm excited to see how they continue to grow. And it's true they can they can play with anybody in the NBA right now, and there is nobody that can slow down Joel Embiid. Not one player. Not right now. And see, and you said that you were still learning, and you were the one that was like, "Mom, Ben Simmons is like the the player that." the team needs and I don't understand why everybody wants to trade him. And for Christmas, I want a Ben Simmons Jersey. Look, you knew, you knew, (laughs) you got to stop doubting yourself, buddy. You know, (laughs) you smart, Gio. You smart. (laughs) Don't ever lose that. I love that about you. Yeah. People look at the box score and they insanely underrate Ben Simmons and they, they think, shooting is the only thing that matters and yes would it be nice if Ben scored 20 points per game would it be nice if he even developed a mid-range jumper sure I would love to see that that would be fantastic he would be almost unstoppable but like 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 Jess said and what I mentioned just look at what he does he sets up the other shooters Tobias Seth like look what he does for them his passes are some of the craziest I've ever seen in my life the way he gets the ball to these guys it's unbelievable. He he the vision that he has at such a young age and he's still getting better. Sure his scoring is going to be down, but it also, I mean if you look at the team they have, that logically makes sense. When you've got two 40% career three-point shooters <laughs> in Danny Green and Seth Curry and Tobias Harris scoring 20 plus a night and an MVP in Joel Embiid, I'd expect Ben Simmons to be the fourth or fifth Exactly. You know, option or fourth or fifth, you know, highest in, in points per game. But, you know, his rebounds are up. And last night they got out rebounded by, I forget how much it was, but I mean, the, the second chance points that the trailblazers were getting was astronomical compared to what it usually is. His assists are you know up and his turnovers are decreasing. So he's doing the right things. It's just everyone else's issue that he, doesn't shoot jump shots. His free throw percentage is better too this year. Yep, it is. That's, people don't people don't see that, but um, he's been so much better at the line. He's actually had some some uh, clutch shots late in games that have helped us see a win. So he's like I say he's done a lot of work at the line. I was just gonna say he does. He's not scared to shoot them anymore. You know, no. like. I think everybody remembers it was either I forget if it was game three or four. It was the game that. Um, Jimmy Butler got tossed from when he got into the fight with Jared Dudley against the Nets a couple years ago. And Ben Simmons, remember, there was that hot potato at the end of the game, and he d- wanted no part of having that ball in his hands to shoot those final free throws. Now he is securing rebounds and standing there holding them, yep. waiting to get fouled because he's confident that he can make those shots at the end of the game. Those improvements people don't want to address because he's a first round, he's a number one overall pick. He should be better than this. He should, he should, he should. People don't want to address the growth that he's actually made. And it's really sad because he's another one that if they were to let him go, it, it would be a big mistake. Big mistake. All right, now we're switching yep. sports again, <laughs> and we're going, how do you guys feel about JT Real Mucho coming back? I could cry tears of happiness. Yes. <laughs> I legitimately did not think they were going to get it done. I fully had the expectation that he would be gone. And um, like I said, even uh, JT and Didi coming back, fantastic news. I mean, here's what we know. We know the lineup overall is probably going to be pretty well this season. Um, the Phillies, your your worry with them is uh, with the, is solidifying the staff and in the in the bullpen. That's the scariest. <laughs> that's the scariest part of the team. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. 
Archie Bradley brings something really good to that bullpen, and they're they're trying to address it. In my yes. opinion, they're not they're not doing enough, and they still they they're going to need another starting pitcher because Jake Arrieta's contract is done. So they still need someone else in here. Um, I I think I. I'm with you, Kate. I did not think JT was going to be back here. And I keep, I was joking with Sam. I said, the only way that I'm okay with JT not coming back is if they trade for Dion. And Sam was like, I don't want Dion. I don't want to have to look on Twitter that when Dion has a, you know, an O for 25 streak, I don't want to have to deal with that in this city. Um, but I, I didn't expect it. I'm so happy. And I think that bringing Didi back was absolutely the right move as well. While they wait for someone like Bryson Stott to be ready to come up to the majors. But I, but now I actually, when I came in from, from taking the dog out, what was going on on ESPN was they had a picture of Bryce Harper on the screen and it said, do you think Bryce Harper regrets not staying in DC? And I was like, Oh, oh no. Good <laughs> grief. We never escape narratives in Philly. No. So I'm very happy that JT is back. It was something they absolutely needed to do. If they didn't, they, I, I mean, I think the Phillies would have been, when they brought Bryce Harper in, John Middleton prided himself on, well, you know, we had Manny Machado here. We thought we could have gotten a deal done, but I got the vibe that the fan base wanted Bryce Harper more. So that's where we focused our attention. Okay. You want to claim that you're in touch with the fan base? please don't let JT Ramioto go. So I'm glad that they didn't because that I think would have been really detrimental for them. I think so too. I I was really, really just like jumping up and down excited when they they signed him. I did not think that JT was coming back. Um, So I'm I'm really happy he's here. I mean, if you're going to have a player like Bryce Harper, you have to build the team around him. And, you know, the biggest thing that they need to address right now, like he said, is the the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen is just terrible. Ugh, nightmarish. Oh. <laughs> it would be a better option. It's horrible. So um, hopefully, hopefully, you know, there's more, more addressing there, but oh, thank goodness JT's back. Yeah. Prepare for a lot of high scoring, high scoring games this year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully we can actually go back to games. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Here's hoping. Uh, I'm I'm so excited to have him back Um, so to end end the show um, since we're celebrating women in sports I'd love to hear how you guys uh, got into sports and what made you start loving talking about it and putting yourself out there on like Twitter and stuff so for me I my earliest sports memories of just falling. The first sporting event that I remember watching was the 2001 NBA championship of the Lakers and the Sixers. And I remember my dad went to one of the games and all I wanted was for him to bring me back an Allen Iverson armband. That's all I wanted. But there were too many people at the Wachovia center at the time um, that he was like, I couldn't even get close to, to that. I'm so sorry. But that was my first memory. And then growing up, um, my great grandfather had a house in Cape May. And every day we would go to the beach and we would come home and we, him and I would watch the Phillies together and have like cheese and crackers. And then just watching the Eagles with my dad on Sunday and him explaining the game to me and just totally like I was, you know, it's so, it's so cliche, but I really was born into this like 
Philadelphia love of sports. And when I graduated college, I was working and I work as a recruiter. So I'm on LinkedIn every day. And I saw an ad for a social media administrator for just a, a beat website. And I was like, yeah, I could I could tweet a couple times about nothing relevant. And then it ended up being the year that the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. And right before the Super Bowl, they asked if anybody would jump on a call with the NBC Sports Group. So it was it was Tony Dungy and Rodney Harrison and um, Dan Patrick. And it was really awesome. And they were like, you don't have to be a writer. You can be a social media admin. And I was like, yeah, I can do that and type something up real quick. And they were like, this is actually pretty good. Do you want to keep writing? So I did. And it kind of just sort of snowballed. And then from there, my one co-host for The Madness, Rob Lange, was already doing The Madness. And I happened to jump on as a guest. And we had really good chemistry. And then that just sort of snowballed. And I just kept posting and, you know, commenting. And just it sort of kind of grew from there. And then I was able to – I Sam and I met. And we developed a friendship. And then one day, Bleeding Green Nation called and said – hey, do you want to do a podcast and find a co-host? And we love your stuff and we'd love to have an all-female podcast if you know of someone. And I said, yeah, how about Sam Wilson? And they were like, hey, why didn't we think of that? And that's kind of what we've been doing. And it it's sort of, it's worked out so far and we just really love doing it and love being a part of, as you know, frustrating as it can be at times, the Philadelphia sports social media community. It's so much fun. And it is a community because so many people know each other for no reason. And it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And I enjoy it and plan to keep going. For me, um, my sports fandom started, uh, I think I was like, I want to say I was like 10 or uh, nine or 10 or 11, somewhere in that in that preteen range. But um, so my dad, my, my mom and dad are Philly fans. I was kind of born into a Philly family like Jess was. We have relatives in Philly. I remember um, I actually got into the Sixers first because my dad was like, okay, Kiana, you have to watch the Sixers because there's this great kid coming out of Georgetown whose name is Allen Iverson. So um, I watched the Sixers first and then um, I endured a horrible Eagle season in, um, in 1990. Oh my goodness. In 1998. And that's when I started watching the Eagles and obviously early two thousands. That's when I adopted the Phillies and the Flyers. So it's kind of been um, just, just a, something I was born into and hometown girl, you know, rooting for our hometown teams. And um, I don't actually have a Philly, uh, like a job working in sports, but I do bring sports content to my Twitch account, which is something I do for a living now. So I do um, the sports talk show on Sunday, which has been really great. We talk about football. It's always a good time. And um, it's a, it's a, a part of my life now and I love it. Yeah, Giovanni absolutely loves your twitches. He's oh, yeah. he's he's always there. He's I'm so sweet. <laughs> if I'm not commenting because I'm in school, just now I'm watching. I'm just <laughs> working on something. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I kind of got married into sports. Um, so <laughs> my family was not really into sports. Um, when I met Giovanni's dad, uh, sixteen years ago, he uh. He, he lived in the Philadelphia area as a child. So he, he actually came from Puerto Rico uh, when he was five with his mom and his stepdad. And his stepdad was in the Navy. So he was actually stationed in Philadelphia there for a while. And he went to Philadelphia Eagles games and he just, you know, loved the team. That, that was his team. So when I met him, he's, you know, have been sitting there watching football games. And I'm like, what? Well, teach me. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'd like to understand what's going on. And it's funny because now he comes to me for updates and information on the team. Like <laughs> I've just like completely <laughs> taken over. 
Um, I, and from there, that's when I started learning about the Phillies. And, you know, now we're watching the, the 76ers and he's trying to, to teach me that too. So it's just, I, I love Philadelphia. I love the passion for the teams. I absolutely, absolutely love everything um, about Philadelphia. And probably the, the first game I remember watching with you, Giovanni, I know you're too little to remember this, but Mike Vick <laughs> was out there as quarterback and you were sitting there on the couch in your Philadelphia Eagles t-shirt and your diaper. So they're going, Aww. Vic, 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 Adelphia, Vic. Oh, and <laughs> I have my frog thing. You did. You oh, that's great. Frog tablet. So they're just singing the whole time because Vic, I mean, he was just running all over the place. It was a great game. We won. And Giovanni was just Vic, 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 Adelphia. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Really great stuff. <laughs> Uh, so thank you guys for being on. Thank you, Mama. Um, thank go you birds. for having me, baby. Um, Thanks as always, Gio. Anytime. Yeah, Gio, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. You're a rock star kid, and we love you. Thank you. I you're welcome, you guys. Um, we we have to do this uh, with Sam. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a great time. Yeah. So that'll be coming soon. Um, <laughs> go birds. Bye. Go birds. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.